All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. You're the CEO of your office. You need to be smarter. This is the episode for you. CEO Mindset. We're talking numbers today. A little office talk. Listen to it. You want to hear it. It's good stuff. You'll be better for it. Closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the Ultimate OD Podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. We are getting you better every single episode, all right? When you listen to this podcast, you'll get something that you can take and apply to your office on Monday, okay? So, I love listening to podcasts. I listen to a ton of them. There's a lot of great optometry podcasts out there. By no means do I think I am the end-all be-all, but a lot of times I listen to a podcast and it either stresses me out. I'm like, man, that's a lot. I definitely need to be doing it, but there's no way I'm going to be able to get that done, or it's just not applicable to what I do, okay? When you listen to this podcast, my goal is to give you something every single week that you could do tomorrow and be successful with. Okay, or make your practice better. So just know that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed putting together this CEO mindset series. Um, It's something that you hear all the time. You need to be the CEO of your office. You know, work on your office, not in your office. And it just is so stinking hard to actually know what that means. So here we are, and that's the series that we're in. Um, Listen to them. I want you to know that there is a lot, okay? We're going to go through strategy, numbers, culture, you as a leader, you know, what you should do to ground yourself, all of those things, okay? And it is a lot. This is stuff that could honestly take up as a full-time job, not seeing patients, and years to come, all right? Listen to the series, take nuggets, find out what's most important, most pressing for your office, and make that your project for the year. Okay, you will get better by doing this and it will help guide you down the road. Okay, so the CEO mindset, the CEO of your office of life should be spending 40% of their time looking at the future, 10 plus years down the road, 30% of your time on a three to five year plan and the, you know, what it takes to succeed, 15% on having the resources, the details to do your day to day, and then 15% on making yourself a better, you know, person, having balance, being a good leader, just all those things. I listened to another podcast the other other day, and it was awesome because um, he was talking about being part of a, like a T, part of ESPN, okay? And he said, I have a, he has a show, he goes, and there's a big wig, an executive, that occasionally I'd see him when I'd walk in, and we'd both get in at about 6 a.m., and he'd walk in with me, and occasionally he'd pick my brain, And then he asked me about something that was going on. And I said, I didn't like it. I don't think it really fits our culture, X, Y, and Z. And the guy said, all right, cool. I I appreciate your opinion. I'm going to pass this up the chain. And he's like, oh, are you guys going to have a meeting about that later? He goes, oh, no. Most most of my meetings are for things that are five to ten years in the future. And I'm like, that's so cool. Because it's what we're talking about right now. Like what I'm saying is how CEOs really operate. They are always thinking future, future, future. And that baffles us 
when we hear it because we live in the day to day to day. What's tomorrow's patient's going to bring? What do we have today? It's hard to look past the next month. Okay. But if you train yourself, if you work really hard at it, you can have a CEO mindset. Okay. Just want to give a brief thing about this too. And like I said, it's overwhelming. It's a lot. And I just got done talking to one of my friends who started cold and of course, she's going through the roller coaster ride of a cold start. You know, you have some success, it's awesome, and then you have some slow times, and it's an up and down, ab and flow, okay? This is great for her to listen to. Uh, anyone that's getting into it that's new, this is amazing for you to listen to. But I'm going to tell you this. My first five years of running the office, I could not have done this. I literally think it took me five years to figure out what it took to have my brand, my culture, and get my staff to be shaped in that way to form what I've built this past 10 years, okay? So you realize when you first start out, you're going to have to learn how to deal with insurances. You're going to have to learn how to manage your staff. You're going to have to learn day-to-day operations. You're still learning how to be the doctor you want to be, right? Not that I'm not doing that now. But 10 years in, you have a great feel for what you want to see, what you don't want to see, what you're good at, what you're not good at, who to refer to. All of these things matter. What hours I work, what my patient stagger is, how I have to staff for, you know, being efficient with the staff. You know what I mean? Like all of that is a learned process. Doing the strategy session, knowing where you want to be in 10 years, it's going to help you in that first five years. If you do nothing else, just know where you want to be, who you want to become, what doctors you see are doing what you want to do. Okay. If I give you no other advice than that, if you are just starting out or if you have just the water coming up to your nose, you are drowning in day-to-day operations, figure out your strategy, figure out where you want to go and never lose sight of that. All this other stuff will come. Okay. So that being said, I'm going to get into the, probably the CEO mindset thing that every doctor loves. You know why we love this? It's numbers. And all of us are kind of still kind of got a little nervous twitch about us because we don't get grades anymore. What did we love to do? Take a test. Why? Because we dominated them, right? You know, we did. We were really good at taking tests. Even if you didn't get all A's in optometry school or whatnot. You had to be very smart to get through grad school. And in optometry school, it was all about balance and life. If you weren't getting all A's, it's because you knew what you needed to do to pass. You were going to be a doctor, but you had other things that you wanted to do. You're, you know, 22 years, 24 years old. It's kind of, you know, monotonous to keep going through school, but we love the feedback. We knew we take a test. We get it graded and then we did good or bad. Now think about it. You have a patient, you know, patient load of 20 patients. They come in, they get their exams, you know, day's done. You're tired. Staff is trying to get things done. And you're like, did I do good or bad? I don't know. Well, one way we can get that, you know, that little dopamine hit back is to follow your numbers, right? That little, Hey, I got an A on this. You need to look at the numbers. And why do we need to do that? What we measure is what we can improve. If it doesn't matter, we don't measure it and you don't pay attention to it. Okay. So this can go in a lot of different directions. 
because it really comes down to what matters to you. What kind of office are you? What are you trying to hit? What's your metrics? What's important? Okay. Get help. You do not need to be the one crunching the numbers. You have staff members that can help you out. You have an office manager. You have people that can give you the numbers. Do you think the CEO is sitting up in the C-suite and being like, well, let me pull out this report and calculate all this in an Excel sheet? No. They get the reports they need, and if they need further information, they go down to the you know people that work for them and say, hey, why are we 5% lower in total revenue here? And then they'll give them all the metrics they want and need, and they can dig deeper. You need to have something that, you know, a scorecard, if you will, that gives you a rundown on a monthly or daily basis, however, you know, intense you want to be with this. But you need to know what you're measuring. You need to get the report and then be able to act on it. Okay. Things I think that are important. Now you can do any and all of these, but the first and foremost, patience. Okay. I like to know my fill rate. So I look at my schedule. I see how many possible exams I have in a week. And then I see how many weeks I have in a month or days I have in a month. You can do it, you know, as meticulous as you want or get a broad overview and then say, I have this many exams. I want to be 90% full of comprehensives or whatever you, you know, red eyes, medical visits, whatever you're scheduling for. And this is how many patients I need to see. Quick and easy. You have a monthly basis. How many patients did I see? What are we doing wrong? Okay. I also like to know the number of new patients I'm seeing. All right. This is my bloodlines. This is how I stay relevant. This is how I know I'm growing. I need to see new patients. And then I go a level higher than that. And I look at the zip codes of all the new patients. I have a marketing strategy and I'm hitting a certain amount of zip codes very very hard so from everyone that I get I take down uh so I get my total number of patients then I get the number of new patients and from the new patients I go even more granular and I see how many patients are from the area marketing that gives me a feedback of what I'm doing is working okay so patients are something you definitely need to look at Contact lenses. I'm a contact lens office. I like to think I am. I like to do scleros. I like to do multifocals, monovision, you name it. I want to give you a custom contact lens. I want you to have a, you know, daily lens for playing sports. Everyone can wear a contact if you're committed to it. So how many evals do I have? How many scleral lens fits do I have? My staff talks scleros. We all know scleros. We do scleros. So I am constantly marking that and tracking that. That's a good metric for me to know if I'm what I'm doing is working. Also, in the same vein of contacts, my I use WVA and every month they give me a list of my top contacts. Okay, I take that list and I see what my cost is and what my margins are, and I will adjust my prices to make sure I'm meeting my margins. Okay, I look at what I'm prescribing or what's getting prescribed and top 10, and I adjust accordingly. And it's one of those things that I do, and we'll get to this when I go to frames. If I have a brand of contact that I'm doing awesome with and selling a lot, add a dollar to the box price. Add maybe $2, $5. Or if I realize I'm selling a bunch of these and I'm not getting good margins, I'm going to raise the price to make it worth my time. Okay? So I'm always looking at that. You have to know your margins. Contact lenses are one of the things that I think are very important to know. And if you're not looking at if you're not watching it, you're losing money, okay? So contact lenses. This is getting outside of the stuff that staff might look at, but I always look at my P&L on a monthly basis, 
Okay. I like to know what my gross revenue is for the month, what it was last year at the same time. I like to see my year to date and compare those two. All right. Look to look at my cost of goods sold. Okay. My cost of goods sold should be around 25% or less of my gross revenue. So take your COGS, divide it by your gross, and I want it to be 25% or less. If it's not, if it's more, you're not charging enough. Okay. You have too high of a cost of goods sold and not enough revenue. You need to increase one of them. So you either increase a lot of revenue or, you know, increase your cost of goods. If you increase the cost of goods, it's going to increase your top line revenue, right? So know that. I like to look at payroll, okay? Payroll, I also like to be 25% of my gross. About 150K gross per full-time employee is a number I like to use. And realize that depending on if you're a medical office or you're really a retail office, the COGS and payroll can work hand in hand. Between those two, you're going to want it to be 50% of the gross revenue. The reason for that is if you're really medical, you have a higher staff, you'll have lower cost of goods sold. If you're really retail, you're going to have a higher COGS and that might be a little bit lower payroll. Okay. But those are two metrics that will really help you and know if you're doing what you need to. Okay. The other thing is you want to look at your net pay or net net income. If you're not making money, you're doing something wrong. Okay. Realize that if you're just starting cold, this is going to be a little discombobulated because you need to staff for growth. Your margins will be a little bit lower, but eventually that will make, you know, will even out. But if you don't have a plan, if you're not watching it, you don't know what's going on. So make sure you're looking at those numbers. Okay. Any good venture capitalist firm is going to come in. They'll look at numbers like this and be like, Yep, we can shave about 1% to 2% off this, 1% to 2% off of this. This is why you're a good investment. So if you want to have that CEO mindset, look at your numbers, see where you can improve, where you're a little fat and happy or where you're a little lean and mean, and make yourself better, okay? Optical. There's a lot of things you can do when you're looking at optical. Um, I'm not a huge sales office, so I don't give bonuses really to my staff for selling more AR, etc., but... I look at frames, okay? I am constantly evaluating my frame board. I think I have meetings about quarterly with my, if they have a lot of lines, if they're one line, like Nike or Salt, I'll meet with them every, you know, four to six months. So maybe three times, maybe two times. Uh, But I'm always staying on top of it on a monthly basis or quarterly basis. We're sending uh, reports to our reps and be like, hey, what's out of stock or what's uh." not out of stock, what's being discontinued. If it's discontinued, I don't want it on my boards. If it doesn't turn in a quarter, I usually get rid of it, okay? And then it has to turn so many times in a year for me to keep that brand and that style. I am meticulous when it comes to frames. You don't have to be as meticulous if you don't, like, you don't necessarily have to be picking them out, but you need to know what's moving and what you're stocking and what's in inventory, Okay, if you're leaving that to your office manager or a staff member, they don't care. The reps are giving them perks to buy more and deals and just overstocking your office with things that don't move. 
Okay. You need to know what's moving. And if it's not, get it off your boards. If you can't, your rep won't take it back or they want to do a one-to-one, just mark them down, go down to wholesale and give them away. Or if someone buys a frame, Hey, you get a free frame. This, this selection, if you buy lenses, all right, get them off your boards, do what you have to do. Make sure you have a lean, mean, uh, optical, and that will make your office more efficient. On the horizon. Now, these are things that I am uh, going to add and chart, but it's something that uh, I think we all should. And I, I do I do cap, uh, monitor my capture rate. I do that for contact lenses. I do that for glasses. But you should be watching uh, your capture rate. But AR coding, transitions, second pair, sunglasses, all those optical metrics that are more of a sales-oriented type thing. I am very interested in them, but I do not want to incentivize my staff to be selling something that's not in the best interest for the patient. I know it sounds crazy, but I will be better off if I take care of every single patient that comes in and give them what they actually need. They'll keep coming back. If I give them uh, something where the staff is trying to get a you know spiff or uh, commission, I don't think that's going to be the best possible care we can provide. That's my philosophy. You do what you need to do. Okay, but from that, I'm also have the ability now with Edge Pro to look at what my staff is doing. And I don't care if, uh, you know, Kelly is selling 75% AR um, and Jess is selling 70% AR. But I want to know if those two are in the 70s and I have one staff member that is in the 50s, right? That means either we, it just needs to be dived into deeper. Okay, and let me give you a reason. You might just think, man, they suck at sales. I'm not going to put them in. Well, what if every time you put them in, you give them the hardest patient that you didn't think you were going to get a sale, but if anyone can save it, it would be them. And they get a sale, but they don't get the AR coding. Or you give them the Medicaid patients, or you give them the insurances that don't do a lot of these upgrades, right? All of those things matter, but you need to look into it. If someone's not performing as well as everyone else. Why is that? Do you need to give more training to them? Do they need to be in a different spot in the office? Okay. This is a ways that you can improve what you're doing. Also, at some point, I'm going to hire another doctor and I'm going to do the same thing looking at them. What do their patients do? What do their patients buy? I believe it was last episode. If not, it'll be in a future episode. Don't worry. You'll get it. We talked about there's only so many things that you can really believe in and talk about in the exam room. Well, you get a really good idea if that is optical based if your doctors are having a lot of high index, uh, your higher prescriptions are getting what they need, or you're getting a lot of second pair sunglass sales because they're talking about UV protection. All of these things matter. And again, it's not a reactionary thing, but you need to dive deeper into it if there's an outlier. Okay, good or bad. And if there's a good thing, you might be surprised. They're doing this little tip and trick that you can tell everyone in your office to do and your whole office will improve. So numbers are our friend. Okay. All right. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is you need to have a scorecard. And let me go into this a little further. This has to be tied into your culture. You have to believe in this because when I tell you what the scorecard is, not for you, but for your staff, it will dictate behavior. Okay, so I know uh, one of my offices that I used to work at, great office, they would have a, we have to do this many year supplies. If we do this many year supplies, everyone gets a bonus or everyone gets X, Y, or Z. 
Okay, they did that with your supplies. They would track AR percentage for the month. All of those things matter. All right, something that I want to track with my staff would be like number of patients in a month. Why does that matter? They can't make more people call, but they can have a sense of urgency if we lose like three patients in a day to fill that day because they know they can fill the rest of the week later, right? Like, hey, we had some cancellations. Let's go on there. Fill rate or number of patients in a month really is directly related to your front desk. Make that, hey, we got to see this many patients or you pick it, but there should be three to five things that you post on a weekly basis. This is our goal for the month. This is where we're at. How can we improve it? And you be surprised what you measure is what you improve. It matters for your staff too. All right. I've done this and I know it sounds crazy. I've done this with my kids. They're little. Like we used to have it. If you did something really good, you got a gold star. You get a gold star, so many gold stars, you get ice cream or something like that, right? You'd be surprised how many times they were looking for, hey, is that a gold star? Let me do this. I'll get a gold star. You think it's just little kids. Do it for your your staff. Just do something little. Like, hey, if we have three of you in the office, if I hear someone talk about uh, sunglasses, pair 50s, um, or whatever you want to do it, however you want to call it, pick anything. If I hear that five times today, we're all going to get this. You better believe they're going to talk about it, right? And if they're not, you're not giving them the right incentive. Like whatever you said the reward was, wasn't worth it. You find the right way to motivate your staff and they will move mountains for you. So this is the optometry episode that we all want back in our lives. Let's get feedback. Let's get some more grades. Track your numbers. Your office will grow. That's what I got. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. And I will tell you this. This is the theme of my existence, per se. I love to talk. All right. I just went on a date with my wife uh, around. It was the Valentine's Day weekend. And we have three kids, one more on the way in like a month. So we don't get out a lot. Just her. My oldest is only five. Right. So they're younger. And we went. And I just started talking and I didn't stop. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, I did it again, didn't I? She's like, yep, but I really don't mind listening. And that's why we have a great relationship. Uh, Side note, on my first date with my wife, uh, picked her up, thought it'd be really cool and smooth, not talk a lot. And she said after the drive to the restaurant, she thought, well, got in the car and I've talked enough for the week because I just started going. And that leads me to what I'm actually talking about. And I love talking to patients. I think that's one of my superpowers. And I've really tried as of late to connect with every single patient, to find out something unique about them. How can I connect with them? What's what's new? Uh, for example, uh, I love talking to teachers, see how they're doing, give them encouragement. I like talking to uh, people that work at... Helen DeVos Hospital in my in my area because my kid was there and those people are miracle workers. They do amazing things. I tell them how much I appreciate them. Let them know. I recently talked to someone that um, is studying for the CSCS, the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist Test. If you're interested in CSCS, please, please DM me or send me a message. I want to talk to you. We can talk optometry all you want, but I want to talk to you about this. 
having a lot of fun researching that. Probably going to try and take that test. Anyways, uh, talked to him about that. We connected. In our words, we nerded out. But I'll have this conversation or I'll try connect at a deeper level. And you'll be surprised how I feel like my patient's satisfaction has just increased a ton. Like I'm still talking optometry. I'm filling their needs. But we're connecting on a different level. We're more than just uh, patient doctor. We are building a relationship. Those are the people that want to keep coming back and seeing me seeing the office. So I love talking to people. I think that's a natural thing I like to do. I often have thought I'd love to just pull 50 people off the street and just give me, give me like half hour, give me 10 questions. And after 10 questions or talking to them, I'll either go for an hour or I'll cut them loose. I'd love to interview people, see what makes them tick. I love when college students come in. We have Grand Valley State University, a huge university right in Allendale where my office is. See a ton of those patients. I always get to the point where I'm like, so what are you studying? Awesome. What do you want to do with that? And just seeing where they want to go. Like seeing, you know, a few of them, they have no clue. Some of them, man, they have a, they have a plan. Right? That's awesome. I'm like, good for you. Go after it. Keep chasing that dream. I love talking to people that are uh, just starting off in the business world, trying to get that first job. And they're like, man, I want experience. They won't hire me if I don't have experience, but I can't. You know, it's a catch 22. But in like, man, just keep grinding. You have the right mindset. You'll be good. I, I just love to give people hope. Like, it motivates me. Like, all these other people going out there trying to chase their dreams, I cannot stop. I got to keep going. That's why I love talking to you guys. I love it when you guys send me messages saying you're thinking about going after it. Do it. You're going to be great at it. There's going to be ups and downs. I'll help you through those. But once you get out of the, I don't even know if I'm out of the tunnel yet, but I see a light and that gives me hope. So that's fun. One of the things I've talked about in the past is setting a future org org chart, right? Like, so future organizational chart, know what you want to have in the next 10 years, and then you can start grooming and polishing staff members to fill positions that you're going to have. Well, one of the things that I want is to have a really robust marketing team. I gave uh, the, the target market for my office is moms, you know, that 20 to a 50 year old female that has kids and makes the decisions for the household. That's who I want to speak to. I have two girls in my office that are moms and then one that is very involved with kids. And I said, Hey, come up with 10 things that would market to moms. Like we can do on Facebook, we can do on Instagram, just reels, whatever you want to do, but come up with these ideas. Think outside the box that talk to moms. And I said, we'll meet back and we can see. And uh, my social media marketing coordinator does all of it on her own. I think her getting some help would be good, but I want to see what they brought to the table. And it was really stinking good. All right. So I'm like, hey, uh, like one of the girls just, she lives for this stuff. And I'm like, hey, you did really good. And I might groom her to kind of help as she grows and expands. Like she's great in optical, one of my best opticians in the sense that she loves people. And then you like people, you can help me on this marketing team. This might not be a full-time gig for you, but you have skills and abilities to get there. And I'm just slowly nudging people into what they are naturally good at. I think that's one of the things that you can do as a leader is see what you have, what are their talents, what are their abilities, what are they doing now, and how can you put them in the best position possible? So I, I had fun with that. Um, I fit a couple, like probably three or four sclerals. Some of them were the like, dispensing fit, some were refits, some were initial fittings. Uh, man, 
it is fun. Find something you like and just go after it. I love fitting these things. I love learning about them. Every time someone comes in, I get something new and it is really a blast. So um, I always recommend Valley. I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that, but I've worked with Zenlens. I've worked with Art Optical. Zenlens, okay. Nothing good or bad to say about them. Haven't really had a great experience with Art Optical. Great people, not great for helping me learn or giving good advice in my opinion. So that's that. Take it for what, you, what it's worth. Hopefully they get better. Some people live by them, but uh, really like Valley. Give them a shot if you want to get into sclerals or especially contact lenses. That's who I recommend. Um, the last thing I will leave you with, and this is just me looking two years, a year down the road. I really think we're going to hit a, I don't want, I'm not getting political here, but we're, we've went from pandemic where it was, oh my goodness, we're shutting down to, oh my goodness, we're actually doing better than we did in years previous, right? I think there was dumb money out there. There's a lot of stuff going into the economy. We're hitting some uh, inflationary things. I say this to you not to do anything, but say, make sure you don't fall into the trap that we all did before the pandemic hit and get fat and happy and inefficient, okay? Staff accordingly. Make sure you're charging what you need to charge. Make sure you're having efficient hours, uh, paying people what they're worth and what they are deserving, not what you think you need to to keep them. And why I say that is if it gets a little trouble where we're a little slower, don't be one of the people that's like, oh my goodness, I just bought three pieces of equipment on lease and how am I going to make these payments, right? Be a lean, mean Optom optometric machine and you'll be better for it that's just me letting you know what my mind goes to when i see a lot of things in the world and i want you to be successful and happy be lean mean and efficient you will be better for it that's what i got we'll have more for you next week where oh where did the time go we're to the closing thought of the episode guess what I was doing a little bit of reading, yes, reading, actual text, reading, and if you guys know an author, oh man, Nassib Tlaib, you know, the black swan, uh, anti-fragile, interesting concepts he writes about, like, he, you could get nuggets out there, but he's a depressing person to listen to. I don't think he's a Tony Robbins motivational speaker, but... That being said, something very interesting that I was reading about him, and he calls it the swimmer's body paradox. All right, so as I'm going to just summarize this. He essentially saw uh, he wanted to get in shape, and he looked at, you know, like bodybuilders, he's like, those people look big and dumb. I don't want to be that. He looked at tennis players. I'm like, ah, I can't do that. He just looked at a bunch of different body types, and he's like, swimmers, I love their bodies. And that's, that's something I could actually work towards. So he joined a, a pool and was going to swim really hard twice a week. And what he found was swimmers do not have great bodies because they're swimmers. They have great bodies because that's who are good at swimming, right? So it's a choice paradox, right? People that are recruiting for swimming will look at people that have a certain body type and then they thrive in that. If you are just Joe Blow, me, 
going into the pool and trying to swim. Yeah, you'll lean out and look a little different, but you're not going to look like those Olympic swimmers because you just aren't naturally long-limbed and have huge backs that can that look like that, right? Well, the same thing applies to like the people that are selling cosmetics to you. And this is the only reason that cosmetics sell is you don't realize that this is what you why they sell it is people that look good have naturally high cheekbones that look attractive they put on the makeup and they sell the makeup the makeup's not doing anything to them it's them naturally but you look at that you see the makeup and by default you're like if i put this make on makeup on i'll look like them so it's a swimmer's body paradox how does this apply to us um i don't have a direct connection per se but it applies to like MBA students. Everyone thinks that all you, you go to Harvard and you go to a great school. Or is it that Harvard recruits the best of the best of the best and they're naturally going to be smarter, right? They're not giving great lectures. They just recruit the top tier student. Thus, they're a better college. If you're going to an MBA program, the MBA will give you all these statistics of, you know, all of our students graduate and they make this much income, right? Well, they're neglecting to tell you that anyone that pursues an MBA is a little different than someone that just graduates college or goes to community college or X, Y, or Z, right? They're a different level of motivation, a different level of student, right? So when you look at anything that you want to do or achieve, don't look at it with the, the outcome in mind. Like, if I go here, I'm going to get this. Maybe because you want to do that, you're already motivated and good to go. You don't need to buy that makeup. You don't need to do that workout. You just need to direct yourself where you need to go. Like, for example, you and I listening to this, we are doctors and we can learn anything and everything we need to be, right? We don't need to go to an MBA program to be really good at business, right? We have the drive, we have the motivation, we have the intelligence. You can go to YouTube, you can go to all the lectures online, you can buy all the books they read and do this yourself, right? You don't have to go to do that to get what you want, maybe. I'm not sure. There's a swimmer's body paradox. I can swim every day for a year, not going to look like Michael Phelps. That's what I got. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.